Folks, it is my pleasure right now joining us on the line. What an incredible new book, The Case Against the New Censorship, Protecting Free Speech from Big Tech Progressive Universities. It is the world-renowned Alan Dershowitz, Professor Dershowitz. It's John DePietro. You're on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Congratulations on this new book. Well, thank you. At least you're not canceling me. Megan McCain canceled me. She tried to cancel me on the View. Um, she's no civil libertarian. Wow. Uh, she wrote a she wrote up a thing saying because I was accused, even though I was falsely accused by a woman I never met, never heard of, and wrote a whole book about it. Um, Megan McCain says if you're accused of anything, you can't be on the View. Fortunately, she was overruled. But uh, uh, you can admire and support McCain. I certainly admired and supported her father but uh she has a, a little bit of learning to do i i agree what america you is about agree i normally don't but in that particular case just what the media goes after uh actually normally i'm pretty critical of her uh touch on though you know you're exactly right professor dershowitz but what what brought you to write this i mean you've written different books but this particular book and it is amazing in 2021 how much free speech is under attack well, the reason I wrote the book, because I've written a lot about free speech under attack by governments. I've been litigating free speech cases against the government since the 1960s, when I was like 29 years old. I argued my first case in the Supreme Court on behalf of a banned movie called I Am Curious Yellow. So I have defended free speech against the government uh, over and over and over again, Pentagon Papers, you name it. But now it's a new problem, and it's much more dangerous. Because it's not the government that's censoring. You can beat the government in court. It's private parties. It's the big tech. It's YouTube. It's, you know, Facebook. It's Twitter. And you can't beat them in court because they have their own First Amendment rights. So we have to beat them in the court. And I decided to write this book to take on the big tech and to take on the private universities and take on the quote, graduate or really big graduates who want to deny free speech. The current cancel culture and attack on free speech is even more dangerous than the McCarthyism I experienced when I was a young kid in college. Folks, again, I was speaking with Professor Alan Dershowitz. You know, I like how you get into the events leading up to the free speech crisis was the election fear. When did you first notice that we weren't even supposed to discuss whether or not this was a fair election? When people called me on the phone and wanted me to represent them, my pillow guy, uh, Mike Lindell and, and others, um, I don't necessarily agree with them. Uh, people have the right to take whatever positions they want on the election. I'm a liberal Democrat. I voted for Joe Biden. Um, but I think Mike Lindell has the right to say the election wasn't fair. I think anybody has the right. I think President Trump has the right. I think President Trump had the right to say what he said. Uh, in, in, in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. I don't agree with much of what he said, but, uh, you know, Voltaire once said, I may disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. That's been my principle. I defended the rights of Nazis, Nazis, to march through Skokie, Illinois, which is a community of Holocaust survivors. They did it to provoke and to make angry and to, and to create all kinds of difficulties for Holocaust survivors, and yet I defended their right to do it because if the Nazis can't march through Skokie, then Martin Luther King can't march through Birmingham. You can't have a First Amendment that applies for me, but not for thee. 
Professor Dershowitz, how did big tech arrive at this? And also, do the progressives, do they realize that they're limiting free speech in, in this way? Because you would think it would be the opposite, that the progressives would absolutely embrace free speech, but they, they no. really don't. They don't. In fact, many progressives don't believe in free speech. Um, many professors now are beginning to write articles. What's the big deal about free speech? It's patriarchal, it's colonialist, it's imperialist, it gives advantage to articulate people. And it's, you know, it's, for the first time in my lifetime, academics are beginning to write uh, academic articles against the First Amendment, against due process. And the reason is obvious. These millennials and these progressives, they're not progressives, they're regressives, they think they know the truth. They think they know the truth of the big T, just the way Stalin thought he knew the truth, and Hitler thought he knew the truth, and Mao thought he knew the truth, and Castro thought he knew the truth. If you know the truth with a big T, why do you need dissenting views? We know, they know, that every time a white policeman shoots a black uh, person, of course the policeman is at fault. They know that uh, every time a woman accuses a man, uh, like Megan McCain, they know the man, of course, has to be guilty, and the woman, of course, is a, is, is a victim. If somebody says the election is unfair, we know it was fair, so why do we need dissenting views? Somebody says, hey, I'm a little worried about the vaccine. No, 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 everybody should take the vaccine. So it's the idea that we know the truth. And if you know the truth, what do you need these cumbersome things like dissent, free speech, due process? They just get in the way of progress. And they got in the way of progress for communism. They got in the way of progress for fascism. And they're getting in the way of progress for progressivism. Professor Dershowitz, you've been on uh, a college campus for a long time. Um, yeah. what, how is this the worst you've ever seen it on the universities as far as their, you know, you have students that will come out and say that they don't feel comfortable exposing or I should say revealing some of a lot of their views in a classroom discussion because they they just know how it will be received by the professor. I get that all the time from students. Um, a lot of it has to do with Israel. If you have pro-Israel students, uh, even if they're critical of Israel, if they favor the two-state solution, they're afraid to say anything positive about Israel because it'll be downgraded. They're certainly afraid to say anything positive about Republicans or conservatives or Donald Trump. And yes, there's a terrific fear of saying uh, anything. Well, look at what happened to the uh, guy who runs um, Brooklyn Center, the little town outside of Minneapolis, yeah. yes. where uh, Kim Potter uh, accidentally came, thought she was tasering and she shot and killed a young black man. And the, the head of the town uh, said, well, she certainly ought to get due process. Due process, yes. And he got fired. Yes. And there were threats. If he didn't <laughs> get fired, uh, there would be violence and demonstrations. So now you get fired for asserting a constitutional right? I mean, what is going on here? Yeah. And that's why I wrote the book. I hope people will read the book. And I hope, more important, I hope people will act on it. Because the only recourse we have is to defeat these new censors in the court of public opinion. Make it clear, we don't accept what you're saying. We don't accept what you're doing. We will fight back. We will create alternative sources like Rumble. I'll give you a story. So Bobby Kennedy, who is the uh, son of the former attorney general, Robert Kennedy, um, is a great environmental lawyer and 
critical or skeptical about vaccines. So he challenged me to do a debate on the constitutionality, on legal issues, medical issues. We had this wonderful hour-long debate. Tens of thousands of people watched it and enjoyed it. And people even changed views as a result of it. YouTube took it down. They said, we don't want anybody to hear a debate on vaccination. We don't think it's a debatable issue. And so now you have to go to Rumble if you want to watch me debate uh, Bobby Kennedy. And I hope people will go to Rumble and watch this debate. You know, what YouTube was basically saying is Dershowitz is right, Kennedy is wrong. I don't want to win by default. Right. I don't want to win by censorship. I want to beat Bobby Kennedy in the open marketplace of ideas. I want people to say, hey, we listen to both points of view. We think Dersh is right and Kennedy's wrong. Uh, or the opposite. That's what debate's about. That's what free speech is about. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Professor Dershowitz, and again, folks, the book is fantastic. The Case Against the New Censorship, Professor Alan Dershowitz. Professor, what about, you know, Facebook and Twitter banning President Trump? And it all seemingly stems from just his views on the election. Um, How did this come that big tech can throw him out in that way? Well, look, it's happening all over now. It's not only big tech. Look, Simon & Schuster wants to publish some books by Vice President Pence, former Vice President Pence, and 300 employees of Simon & Schuster saying, no, no, you can't do it. We don't want Vice President Pence or any Republican or anybody who supported Trump to have a voice. So they're trying to silence opposing points of view, Simon & Schuster, you know, and, and, the, and the reason is because they're learning in universities. And the people who are in universities today in 10 years will be the editors at Simon & Schuster, the people who run Facebook and others, and uh, that's uh, the problem. The problem is that universities are training people to think sensorially and to stop uh, debates from occurring and hearing two sides of an issue, and that's not only frightening for the present, it's very frightening for the future. You know, it's very uh, under attack these days, and he doesn't say anything obscene, he doesn't encourage violence, But Tucker Carlson, because he has a successful show, because he has a well-researched show, he's entitled to his views. There is such an effort right now to just, Tucker should not be allowed to have a show. They need to take him off the air. He needs to be silenced. Well, let me tell you about the hypocrisy on all sides. So I used to be a regular on Tucker Carlson's show. And then once I was on his show and I criticized something he said about immigration, I've never been asked back. Hmm. So he, too, engages in in censorship. So, uh, you know, you have to understand that it's coming from both sides. And uh, Tucker Carlson used to accept all points of view. But when you criticize him, he doesn't like it either. And someone else who I think uh, you're going to see is like Joe Rogan. I think he said yesterday, uh, if you're a young person, you're healthy. Yeah, you probably don't need to get the vaccine. Professor, watch the uproar. There'll be, there'll be pressure on Spotify. Not that he has a different point of view. He needs to be canceled. He needs to be removed for even thinking that. What we need to do is have me on the show to oppose him and explain why it's very important for young people to get vaccinated. Yep. That COVID has all kinds of negative implications for people's health in the future. Um, I come from a family of doctors, both my grandchildren in medical school. My daughter-in-law is a, a doctor. They're fighting COVID day and night, and they understand the implications uh, for young people. The data now shows that a lot of young people survive the first encounter with COVID very easily, and they don't 
don't get sick. And then six months down the line, they get sick and we don't know what's going to happen, you know, two years down the line. We also don't know what's going to happen with the vaccine. Life is full of risks and cost-benefit analysis. And I generally go with the science and uh, I hope the science is correct. I wrote a piece in March of last year, two months ago already now, in which I said, believe science, but be skeptical of scientists. Because in those days, the scientists were saying, don't wear the masks. They were... They were not telling us the truth. They didn't want us to buy masks because they wanted the masks to be available to the front first responders. And they said that COVID is spread by touch, not by aerosol. And I wrote a piece saying, I don't believe either of those two positions. I'm skeptical and I'm going to tell my family to wear masks and I'm going to tell my family to stay six feet away because of aerosol. And, you know, I turned out to be right. Uh, And then science isn't always right all the time. But like democracy, it's better than all of its alternatives. Folks, again, we're speaking with Professor Alan Dershowitz. Uh, it's the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Professor, what about, could you touch on Chapter 3, violent responses to speech and incitement? Well, what we hear now is violent threats all over the place. Violent responses to everything. Violent responses to jury verdicts. I mean, the reason I think, for example, the Schlovin verdict has to be reversed by the United States Supreme Court is that the 12 jurors obviously felt what the one alternative jurors already told us she felt, afraid that if they came out with a verdict that was not liked by the public, there'd be violence. And so, you know, violent reaction to uh, to speech is, uh, is extremely dangerous. It's another form of censorship. And uh, it's uh, something that shouldn't be tolerated. In the Shrubbin case, I hope the Supreme Court takes the case, reverses Shrubbin's conviction, sends him back for a trial with a sequestered jury. Now, I have no brief for Schwarman. I think what he did was terrible, based just on the videotape. was terrible, but he didn't get a fair trial, and he should have a sequestered jury, and it should be outside of Minneapolis. The same is true of the three co-defendants. The same is true of uh, Officer Pam Potter and others who have been affected. They should have sequestered juries because Al Sharpton and, and Maxine Waters shouldn't determine the outcome of jury trials. Professor, on uh, two different notes, could you just touch on, I believe that Senator Ted Cruz was a one time a student of yours. And, and I believe I've heard you say he was he was just one of the most brilliant students you've ever had. He was and one of the most important students and interesting students, because, you know, I never tell students what to think. There's 50 years at Harvard. I never told them what to think. I try to teach them how to think. And I'm always the devil's advocate. And when Ted was in the class, I didn't have to be the devil's advocate because he was the devil himself. He <laughs> made all these right wing arguments all wow. the time. And uh, it was great to have him as a student. I, took, I had him for two classes. And he was you know, one of the most outstanding students. Uh, uh, some of the students didn't like him because they said he was too smart for his own good. But everybody acknowledged how smart he was. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, you didn't agree with his views, but no, he was, uh, you know, <laughs> relentless in being able to present them. And what about the de- dedication of your book, Someone Who, uh, who I Highly Respect, and that's Harvey Silverglade? Harvey has been my colleague and my friend for, I think it's, he was my student in 1967. So count, count the years. Uh, it's uh, over 50 years, over 55 years. We've litigated cases together. He is a principal civil libertarian. He always takes a back seat. He's very quiet. He's written 
several important books about university censorship, about overcriminalization. He is one of the few genuine, genuine liberals left in America. Remember, don't confuse liberal with left. You can be a liberal on the right. You can be a liberal conservative. A liberal is somebody who is open-minded, willing to hear all sides of all issues, and uh, generally tolerant of uh, other points of view. And that's Harvey Silverweight personified. Professor, before I let you go, can you also just comment on uh, Sharon Osborne and even Piers Morgan for that matter? But Sharon Osborne, she was basically fired from the talk because she was defending her friend and said, I don't see where he's a racist. And basically because of that, she was fired off the show on CBS. Well, that's happening over and over and over again. People are terrified to say in public what they are or used to at least be willing to say in private. Today, they're afraid in private. Today, universities are going back and looking at posts that you may have done four years earlier to friends in which you may have expressed some point of view that is unpopular. And they're sending admissions to universities based on posts. And they're doing it very selectively. They're doing it very selectively, racially selectively, gender selectively, and in other ways selectively. And so it's, it's, it's very, very dangerous. People should be applauded for having different points of view and should be encouraged to produce diversity. And I don't mean only racial diversity. I mean ideological diversity. And ideological diversity is just not being permitted on campuses today. Oh, and in, in major networks and yes. other areas of life. Uh, look, uh, uh, many magazines now have fired people. Publishers are refusing to publish books. It's spreading. That's why I think my book, The Case Against the New Censors, is important. You can get it on Kindle or, you know, uh, Amazon or any other place that books are sold. So I hope people will read it and will act on it. Folks, the book is The Case Against the New Censorship, Protecting Free Speech from Big Tech, Progressive Universities. He is professor, author, attorney, Alan Dershowitz. Professor, an honor to talk to you. Congratulations on the book. We'll talk to you again. Thank you. My honor. All right, folks, there it is. Alan Dershowitz right here on the John DePietro Show. Now, right now, it's 12-